0: You're in Joshua chapter 6. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 this morning. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We have been to Jericho, and I believe Brother Matt's going to shoot us a picture there. This is a, a kind of a, let you know what it looked like at this time. Oh, uh, we know that a great victory was won there at Jericho, and we've been preaching through the Book of Joshua, uh, and we've seen that it's a book about battles and struggles. They just got over the Jordan. now they're going to have to face a wall. This morning, these panels are up here, and the reason why they're up there is just to kind of give you a visual that in this place, Today, there are some of you that have carried your wall in. Some of you have a wall that's been built up and you've groomed it and cultivated and you've taken good care of it. And then you wonder why you're not able to live that victorious life in which the Lord Jesus Christ has promised you, promised you. He didn't call you. He didn't save you so you could live a defeated life. He didn't call you. He didn't save you so you could run around in the muddy grubs and woe is me. Oh, look at what's happened to me. Listen, every one of us in here has got issues. Every one of us in here has got issues. It's not if you don't have an issue or not. It's what you're going to do with the issue that's before you. See, it's not if you're going to have to face a wall in your life. It's what you're going to do when you face that wall. And there's two ways you're going to come out of this thing. You're either going to get bitter about it or you're going to get better about it. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing to be better and to be victorious in my life. And here in Joshua chapter 6, we see that they're now right outside... The walls of Jericho. And listen to what the Bible says. It says, now Joshua was straightly, uh, shut, uh, Jericho was strictly uh, shut up because of the children of Israel. So we understand that the, uh, everything's been sealed up. Everything's uh, been secure because word has gotten out. Word has gotten out that the people of God are fixing to come. Wouldn't it be a wonderful testimony that this community would just go ahead and start to realize, and they're hearing things, hey, you know what? That Hillcrest bunch, they're on move for God. They're winning some victories over there at 621 Hartsville Pike. I don't know about you. You can say what you want about some of those folks, but this is what you have to... They are living the life that God is intended for them to live. And so... Because the children of Israel, none went out and no one came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, now, see, I have, see, I have. Do you see the tense? It's already a done deal. See, I have given unto thy hand Jericho. You got a wall this morning that's been built up around you. You may have more than one wall, but by the authority of the Word of God, if you get under the blood, And if you understand that you are to live the victorious life, that wall has already, in God's mind, God has already tore the thing down. The problem with you is not, when's God going to show up? When's God going to show up? He's already shown up. He's done everything that He can. The problem is not God. The problem is you. Problems with me. And he says he delivered it Jericho, and he says, In the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus thou shalt do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. Look at verse number five. And it shall come to pass that when they make a loud blast with the ram's horns, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. This morning, by God's grace, we're going to, Preach a message entitled Walls. We've already alluded to the fact that every one of us has a wall. Say so what a minute, wait, 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 wait. I got everything confessed, I got everything taken care of. My dear friend, there's still a wall. Now we walls come in different forms and fashions. See, somebody this morning has a wall of bitterness. Something that Happened 10, 15, 30 years ago. You're still carrying it around. It's made you bitter. And you've not been able to advance in the kingdom's work because there's a wall that has hindered you. Somebody has a wall of a bad attitude. You just don't like anything. You just wake up, you're ticked off. You go to bed, you're ticked off. You can't get along with people at your workplace. You don't get along with anybody in your household. You don't get along with anybody here at the church house. You just have a bad attitude. Why? Probably because of something very silly. Probably because somebody made a comment. They did not have uh, wrong motives, but you took it because of your attitude. They shouldn't have said something like that to me. Listen, I want you to know that uh, one of the things that I'm okay with is when somebody says something about my eyesight. And many of you do. (laughs) And easily, I could build a wall around that. I could say, well, let me tell you something. You go ahead and have 90% of your eyes taken away from you. Let's see how you function. But I have chose not to do that. Because God's been good to me. And God has provided for me to be able to do what I can do. So you've got a bad attitude because somebody said something and you just got mad about it. Now you're just a bad attitude, bad attitude. No matter who you come in contact, nobody wants to be around you because of your attitude. It's time, it's time to go ahead and tear that wall down this morning. Amen. Because you'll never... You'll never have contentment. You'll never have peace in your life. And you'll never do anything worthwhile for the kingdom of God. You need to tear your wall down. Somebody has a wall that's hindered them. It's called jealousy. Somebody comes up here and somebody sings and you're back there thinking, I don't know why they got that opportunity. I can sing a whole lot better than them. What's amazing to me that you would think something like that because you're not even in the choir. You're not even utilizing the gift that God's given you, but yet you'll go ahead and you'll puff up and you'll get your wall of jealousy. You need to get that wall tore down today. Somebody has a wall of unforgiveness. You've been carried it around. Oh, you're justified on why you're not going to forgive somebody. Oh, you just don't know what they did. Well, my dear friend, as we talked Wednesday night, we can forgive ourselves, but Jesus said you also pray that you can forgive others. And the last time I checked, I don't know... How well or how oh, mistreated you've been, but I've just got a sneaky position that no one hung on a cross. I got a sneaky position that you didn't die in place of somebody else that did not deserve what they got by your grace. Last time I checked, you didn't shed your blood to cover our sins. But Jesus did, but yet Jesus was able to forgive. And so here, you need to tear your wall down this morning. Your wall has hindered you way too long. This church, we could have a wall around about us. And we need to tear it down. We need to go ahead and say, we're done with this. We're going to have victory. We're going to go forward in Jesus' name. Now, we understand the walls, uh, as you see, um, or was there, that there was two walls around Jericho. The first wall, the outer wall, was uh, six uh, feet deep, uh, thick, and it was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 20 feet high. And then, after you got past that wall, there was a 15-foot a kind of a walkway, if you will. It was guarded. And then there was the inner wall. The inner wall was 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. Now, can you imagine when uh, Joshua and his uh, people got there, how impressed they were and how uh, intimidated they were by these great walls that they had to get over? But notice uh, Joshua still... was able to lead these people. And the reason why he was able to lead these people is because Joshua had a promise from God. And because of that promise, Joshua had a vision for his people. What was his vision? We've talked quite a bit about vision. We're having Vision Day on March the 4th. Our Sunday school classes are going to share their vision. Our different ministries are going to share their vision. The church should have a vision. Without a vision, then we die. And so Joshua was able to go. Now watch this. As you go all the way through the book of Joshua, you will see there's one battle right after another. And don't you think that Joshua at times can uh, get a little weary? I mean, they just passed over Jordan. Now they here they come to the walls. But Joshua had a promise. He was acting upon the promise. He was acting upon the vision that he had. See, it could be the reason why you haven't tore your wall down is because you're having a lack of vision. And you have forgotten the promise that God has given you. He says that when he saved you, he saved you completely. And because of His salvation, you could have abundant life. And because of abundant life, you're able to go and face the walls that will come into your life. You'll be able to get over those walls. You'll be able to tear those walls down. Not because you're so mighty and you're great, but He's mighty and He's great. And He says that He will enable us and He will work through us. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. Maybe you've lost your vision, maybe you've lost, forgot the promise that God's given you that He's not going to leave nor forsake you. So Joshua comes to the wall. Now first thing we need to understand, if we're going to tear a wall down, uh, we have to have salvation. Amen. Now go back to chapter five in chapter five. Remember, when Joshua came, the Bible says that he looked up. He was outside the wall. He was all by himself. And the Bible says that he looked up. It could be very well that Joshua, right outside those walls, he was bowed down and he was praying to God. He understood that if he was going to be able to tear this wall down, he was going to have to have the help of God. And so he bowed his head and God spoke to him. Now notice... Joshua, when he first saw him, didn't recognize him, and he says, "Who, who uh, are you for us, or you're against us?" Jesus, when he answered him, uh, he said, uh, basically, this is what he said. He said, "I'm not come to take sides. I've come to take over." That's what salvation's about, is it not? Jesus is not picking sides here. He wants to take over your life. And the only way He can take over your life is that you must humbly bow before a holy, righteous God. You must confess your sins. You must repent of your sins. Let me ask you this. This morning you're here and your life is chaotic. I mean, it's like on a roller coaster out of control. And you're looking for some peace. You're looking for some answers. You're just looking for the, the roller coaster ride to stop so you can get off. And You're looking for stability. You're looking for structure in your life. You're looking for joy in your life. My dear friend, you'll never find that until you humbly bow yourself before a righteous God and tell Him that you are a sinner, you know you're a sinner, and tell Him, if it's not for you coming to my life, I know I'm going to bust hell wide open. But Lord, the best I know how, I come and confess my sins. I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. And Lord Jesus, I don't know how you'll do it because I know I've gone too far. Oh God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm in you today and I'm calling upon your name and I'm asking you to come and save me and change my life. My dear friend, that's the first step you have to take. And so you're outside the wall and but notice here, Jesus also gives him an unusual request. He says, take a shoe off your foot. What does that mean? Understand the context of the story here. When, when a covenant was made between two people in these times, one came to realize that he was not capable of fulfilling his end of the bargain. So they had one that was going to uphold his end of the bargain, but the other one recognized that. And so as the custom would go, they would take a shoe and they would give that one shoe to that person that they knew could keep the covenant. What does that mean? That means I'm not capable of fulfilling my promise But I know you're capable of fulfilling your promise. And so now I'm relying on you to make this covenant be enacted. That's exactly what you need to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot keep your end of the bargain. I can't keep my end of the bargain. But the Lord Jesus keeps his end of the bargain. And when he says that if you call upon his wonderful name, you shall be saved. And you'll be saved for all eternity. You're going to slip. You're going to fall. But he never fails. The covenant is not dependent upon you. The covenant is dependent upon the Lord Jesus. And he has not lost one yet. And so, we come to the wall. We realize that we're in need of salvation. But I'll notice here. Notice the instructions that are given. They are very unusual instruction. First of all, we see that there are seven priests and there are seven trumpets. Seven is a very significant number, especially in Jewish thought. Seven is very significant. Matter of fact, the word in the Hebrew is Shiva. And shiva means complete, satisfied. The number seven, when you see it in Scripture, gives indication that it will be done to completion. I got good news for you this morning. Your salvation is complete. Nothing else has to be added. You don't have to jump through any hoops. Your salvation is complete because when Jesus Christ went to the cross and when Jesus Christ died in your place, then He did it to completion. Matter of fact, He cried out from the cross, it is finished. Nothing else has to be done. And so seven is a very significant number. We also see that uh, there's seven priests and seven trumpets. Uh, Now, the first thing that we understand, the seven priests. Priest is representative of an advocate. That's what the priest would do. The priest was the go-between, if you will. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He was the only one that would go into the Holy of Holies. And he would bring a, a, a sin sacrifice for the people. That when they would come to the priest, we see it uh, as uh, it goes on. And and, and if you follow uh, the train of thought, that's the reason why uh, in Hebrews, uh, Jesus has been referred to as our high priest. Helps us to understand he's our advocate. He's our go-between. That's the reason why we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Because Jesus, sitting right there at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Even today, there's somebody here that needs needs to be praying. You need to be praying that you'll get uh, saved. Uh, Jesus hears that and he uh, will be your advocate. There's someone here that's praying right now. You've been convicted. You have a wall in your life that needs to be tore down and you're praying about that. My dear friend, you have a great advocate, our great high priest. Jesus Christ is interceding for you. He hears your pleas and he will act upon your cries. But seven... Trumpets. Now, seven trumpets, we understand that the common Hebrew word for trumpet was shofar. I have one here. My family has told me, please don't try to blow it. But we have a shofar. Now, this is the general term, but there was two trumpets that were used. There was a silver trumpet, and then they would have a trumpet made out of Ram's horn. This is a ram's horn. He says, Well, is that real? You smell this thing, you'll know it's real. <laughs> it stinks. And the, the times, the silver trumpet, they would uh, blow the silver trumpet, uh, and they would be, Here's an announcement to be made. Almost like a, our, our text alert system here. Hey, we got something you need to know about. Silver trumpet would be played. Also, the silver trumpet would be also played uh, or uh, blown when we're fixing to go to war. But notice here in our text, it says they had ram's horns. Ram's horned th- this, even though the umbrella is a shofar, but the ram's horn was also referred to as Jobel. Uh, jobel was a root word from Jubilee. Now, interesting is it not? He was. They were told to use ram's horns. Why not the silver trumpet? They're not going to war. Are you catching this? The war had already been won. See, you have a wall that needs to be torn down. You need to understand the war has already been won. You're not fighting towards victory, you're fighting from victory. Because of what Jesus Christ done for you and has done for me, then we need to understand this wall is good as gone. Yep. Amen. And so they blew the trumpet. Why? It's celebration time, man. Hey, listen, there ought to be some trumpets blown here after the end of the nation because somebody got a victory. There was a wall a wall they got tore down. Uh, someone who had unforgiveness, they were able to let go of that and they got delivered on that. And so it's celebration time. I'm telling you, wouldn't it be wonderful that we get to blow the horn because somebody came and said, I need to give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and I gave my heart to Jesus and I'm just coming down down not to get saved but I'm coming down to tell you I've been saved and I want everybody to know it oh my dear friend that's when we need to have a celebration time and so here they're fixing to go and they're fixing to go into a battle but they're blowing the trumpet that signifies celebration celebration time but seven also the Sabbath seventh seventh day We also see uh, that the day, uh, there's three of the feasts, that's on the seventh month. The Feast of Trumpets is on the seventh month. We also see the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh month. We also see the Day of Atonement was on the seventh month. But we also see the significance of seven because the seventh uh, year was the was the tabernacle, or uh, it it was a time uh, of celebration. Now, seven years, every seven years, we see that when you add seven to that, seven times seven is 49. The year of Jubilee, 49. We also see the seventh... Uh, Seventh helps us to signify that that it's a time where they recognize how good God's been to them. Seven's very significant. Seven is significant because it helps us to give cause for celebration. My prayer this morning is that we are going to have... A year of jubilee Amen. might not be the 49th year, but somebody's going to give their heart to Jesus. Somebody's going to have a wall tore down and destroyed. And that's time we can shout the glory down. Amen. Notice here, it says that they also walked around once every six days. And then on the seventh day, they did it seven times. See, when you read these stories and you're thinking, well, they're just kind of like thrown in there. Oh, there's significance. And significance to help us to understand if we're preaching about tearing down walls, how that number seven it, it ties into this. And you see that the priest was involved. But also notice the Ark of the Covenant was involved as well. The Ark of the Covenant, that's where the presence of God was. And so here they are, and they're coming, and they march around one time. Next day, six days, seventh day, they go around, and then they blew the trumpets, and the people shouted. Now, we do not know what they shouted, but I think it might be something like God's good. Thank you, Jesus. There's all kinds of things we can shout when we have a victory, is it not? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine all these people shouting, the trumpets are blown, and, and, and I, I've made a promise to my family. So I, I, but everything in me wants to blow this thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do it. No, wait, wait, wait. Got to build up for this. (laughs) My daughter can do it. She would die if I told her to come up and blow this thing. Now they did it a lot better. Seven of them. And they're shouting. Glory to God. Glory to God. Or maybe they're shouting. Tear those walls down. Tear those walls down. Maybe there's somebody that needs to be shouting. Maybe not outwardly, but you need to be shouting in your spirit. Lord, I know I have a wall in my life. Will you tear it down? I want it torn down. Tear it down, Lord Jesus. I have unforgiveness in my heart. Tear it down. I want to be able to forgive. I got bitter. I got a wall of bitterness oh Lord would you help me to get rid of that bitterness because I want to go forward in your name maybe you have an addiction problem alcohol has gripped you prescription drugs have gripped you and a wall has been built around you tear it down in Jesus name he can tear it down somebody needs a victory But notice, we see the ram's horn. Also, the significance of the ram's horn is, remember when Abraham took Isaac? What appeared? A ram. Ram is a picture of atonement. And so here's what we got. Now watch this. We have trumpets. We have priest, our advocate, the high priest, Jesus Christ. We see there's atonement involved. We see that not only that, but the Ark of the Covenant is present, which means the presence of God, the glory of God is in that place. But notice what else. The Bible says they were told to walk. Now, anybody that knew anything about military strategies you know that that is insane thinking. You don't win victories by just walking around a city. But I've already told you the victory has already been won. You're just there to claim it. My dear friend, whatever wall has been built in your life, in Jesus' name, it's already been torn down. You just need to claim it today. And how do you go about doing that? Well, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 31, one of my favorite verses, it says, those who will wait upon the Lord. Notice walking. It didn't say run. They didn't run around. They walked. Walking takes a little bit longer than running, does it not? And so why does he say that? Why didn't he say run? There's other times when he talks about running. Even in that passage, in in Isaiah, he talks about running. He's telling us, he's helping us to understand when you're walking, that's a picture of your faith. You're walking in faith. And sometimes walking in faith takes a little bit longer. Takes a little bit longer. But notice the promise that we have in Isaiah. It says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. There's somebody here this morning. You've been praying for a lost son or daughter. And you've been begging God. You've been begging God. And it seems like there's no answer. My dear friend, keep walking. Keep walking. He'll renew your strength. There's times, some of you have already done this. There's some of you here that have already thrown the towel in. You've just went ahead and decided, this is just the way my life's going to be. This is just the way I'm going to have to live. Oh, my dear friend, don't give up now. You just keep walking. He'll renew your strength. He'll give you encouragement. He'll strengthen you. And That's what the body of Christ is to be about. We're here to help walk with those who are ready to throw the towel in and we need to go beside them and say just keep walking, just keep walking we're walking with you because we will renew our strength not because of what we've done but because of what the Lord Jesus would do for us so they walked but then he goes on and says they will renew their strength and they will mount up as Engel's wings that means you're going to rise above the circumstances that you're in right now Why? Because you walked. You walked in faith. You walked in love. You walked in the Spirit. You walked, and you need to keep walking. Because, my dear friend, your answer is just right around the corner. He wants to help you to understand the wall's already been taken down. You just got to claim it. And how do you claim it? By walking. But then he goes on and says, And those who walk will not faint. And those who run will not grow weary. So boil it all down to, Okay, I'm walking. But Brother Mike, there's got to be more to it than this. No. Everything that Joshua and His people need it, God provided. It's time for us to grab our ram's horns and start blowing them loud because celebration is coming because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The victory has already been won. The victory has been won. Now, one more prop. Remember Rahab? Remember it says, the Bible says that she threw out a rope over her wall. What color was the rope? Red. Red. Symbolic of blood. If you're going to have your wall tore down, you're going to have to get under the blood. Walk, walk, get under the blood, continue to do God's will. God's told you how to win the victory. Do what He told you to do, and victory can be yours. Here's somebody here this morning. You're lost. You know you're lost. Preacher, I I really want to believe what you're saying this morning. Man, my life is turmoil, but I just don't think He can save me. My dear friend, by the authority of the Word of God, it says that He has forgiven all our sins. All means all. The problem with you is that you haven't forgiven yourself. Why don't you just get under the blood this morning?